a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Back Rebels and Imperials to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Matt and Liz. And we are here because we are going to talk about the first four episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, streaming right now on Disney+. Plus. New episodes dropping for the next two Wednesdays. And then uh, we're already kind of at the end of this series, which is sort of crazy in its oh. own way. Oh. Yes, yeah, just six episodes, <laughs> and we are uh, two-thirds of the way through it right now. So... Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I like how we just experienced that whole thing with Matt—a roller coaster of emotions. In <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I, I was ready to make a joke about like, Obi Wan. Don't you mean old Ben? And I was like, Oh no! It's almost over. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we have talked at length on this show about how we were generally excited about this. How we all think that you and McGregor is one of the best parts of the prequel trilogy. And just generally how this is a story that felt like it might have some legs. What we didn't anticipate is that the story we were expecting is not at all the story we're getting. This Mm-mm. this is one of the uh one of the most effectively hidden swerves I can think of in Star Wars. Grogu is like I don't know if that's a swerve, it's just a character we didn't we didn't know about before, right? But this was like I think all of us expected this was going to be sort of Obi-Wan's, like, humdrum life on Tatooine looking over Luke. And we've gotten a totally different story than that. So let's kind of start there, though. In terms of the overall tone, the overall sort of feel of the show, do you folks like it? Do you not like it? Do you wish it was more what we thought it was going to be? Are you happy it's something different? Liz, why don't you take us there first? I would say that I am happy it is something different. I, I, and I think, you know, you covered the fact that we did not expect, I think, Leia to be involved in the story at all. Um, that was a major, perhaps, swerve in terms of um, plots. Um, I, which I, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, you know, we got to go uh, to Alderaan as well. Um, you know, which was great, and I, I think it just has led to, you know, a, a, um, a relationship that we get to see between, uh, you know, old Ben, Obi Wan, whatever we want to say, um, between him and Leia, that you know, perhaps we can talk about more as well. Um, but it's also I adventure and i think we get to see um obi-wan who has obviously you know uh, rejected uh the force in i guess was it been 10 years yeah um, something like that yeah um for 10 years and uh, you know he's a he's a little rusty um but i think you know in this most recent episode that we just watched today um you know things have perhaps taken a bit of a, of a turn um but you know he i he, he has a reason. Um, he hasn't really had a reason for much, I assume, over the past 10 years. You know, what's happened with Anakin has been devastating. And perhaps, you know, Leia has given him some sort of a, a reason, a motivation to leave his cave. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not living in... I, I, I wouldn't say where we see him in A New Hope is quite, uh, you know, palatial. But <laughs> where he is now is less than where we see him in A New Hope. Um so, you know, I, I, I like, you know, Obi-Wan's not in a great place here, um, and we get to see some growth even just through these first four episodes that, to me, feels, um, uh, what word am I looking for? It doesn't feel forced, um, for the lack of a better word. I, <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose. No, I, I think that's actually a really, I think not feeling forced is a good way to describe it. Matt, what do you think of the overall tone of this thus far? I liked it. It it's far darker and sadder than I imagined it being. Um, and in a lot of ways, we thought the the struggle between Anakin and Obi-Wan would be the prime struggle. But we see a lot of other pieces that are very sad. We see Obi-Wan reflecting over him not having a childhood and him 
maybe having a brother, but he doesn't really know um, him grieving, not only over losing Anakin, but losing Padme. We see um, the grief of people who are looking just to stay under the empire's radar, becoming soldiers that there is no neutrality in this war. Um, kind of, I think getting into what's going to be that Cassian Andor territory too. Um, so that, that tone is much darker than I thought, but also it's much lighter because Leia brings so much to the table um, in ways that I did not think we would see. So it's, uh, it's hitting a good, a good set of tones. Yeah. I, I would say that there's, um, there are a couple of things that happened in the series that I would have, absolutely never expected right like i think i i think that having leia as part of this is something that would never have um popped in my head like even even though apparently jimmy smith was announced before this was before it was released that he would be in it and if i knew that maybe i'd think that he would be a part of it but mm -hmm. I, that she would be a part of it rather but you know it, i i definitely did not have any clue of that and i think that by by making the story, well, let me back up. I think some people were afraid the story was going to be dull because they thought, like, well, this is essentially the book of Boba Fett. This is a character on Tatooine who we're, we're witnessing the middle part of a story that we kind of already know the beginning and the end of, even more than Boba Fett, because Boba Fett, we don't really know what happened to him after you know, the Sarlacc pit. So I guess this is all kind of new information. But with Obi-Wan, mm -hmm. this is very much act two in a three-act story. Act one yeah. is the prequels. Act two is the original trilogy. Act three, rather. So yeah, this felt like a, a story that was kind of like a perpetually second act story, right? Just that the middle of the middle part of a story that maybe is the least interesting part of it. But by bringing Leia into it, it has done a lot to make this story mean something and be something different than what I thought it was going to be. I really like the idea of a broken Ben Kenobi because when we last see him in Revenge of the Sith, he is certainly on the path to being disillusioned and just, you know, broken is, I guess, a bit strong. But we see he's on the path there. And then when we see him in A New Hope, he is this, like, he exudes this quiet confidence. And I have wondered in the past, like, what, is it just that he is... He's old and doesn't give a fuck anymore, and that's why he's like, uh, you know, able to just be a a more uh, confident dude in the future. Or would something happen? And what I'm excited to see is like how in the last you know two episodes we get him on the path to being the guy that we've seen in A New Hope. Um, so I, I I feel like even though this is still quintessentially a second act story, it's one with a little bit more uh, nuance and. And uh, just interest there because of the Leia aspect, and we should we should mention uh, Leia right now. I'm trying to find quickly the name of the actress who plays her because I think that this actress is uh, fantastic. She is. She is. She's just so good. The way she delivers lines. Uh, Vivian Lyra Blair, just uh, just really mm -hmm. really good. Go on, Liz. You were talking about. It. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I, that, that was it. I was just okay. trying to. Yeah, I just. I feel like everything about her is, you know, wonderful. Yeah, and she really embodies a little version of Leia, which is what she is. <laughs> she is always the smartest person in the room. Um, she doesn't take anything from anybody, um, and is tough as nails. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a shame that I feel like we've gotten more of a picture of Leia from these four episodes as a kid from the entire trilogy. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the way it is when a 70s I, movie has a female character. I know, and that's what, it, it's made me think about that just more. Um, you know, I, I feel like how much of Leia we, you know, didn't get and then also didn't get in the sequel trilogy. But, you know, we, we're getting some good stuff here. Yes, yes. Um, I do want. I, I guess we'll bring it up. Now. I was going to say this for later, but I do want to bring up the my 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 one issue 
with this story so far is this <laughs> I I don't like that Star Wars is constantly and I do mean constantly having to rewrite its own history because it decides it wants to do something new and like this I don't understand how Leia who has like gone on a journey with Obi-Wan who has who rescues her twice how she can address him as General Kenobi in this like cold way in the message she sends him in a new hope. I I'm wondering, is that I see part of me is wondering if it has to do with, if that message got intercepted, I wonder if there's more to that message or if they're going to make pretend there's more to that message. Right. But yeah, it it is very much, um, you know, Obi-Wan's retelling of, um, what happened with him and, Luke's father. Well, but like, but that one at least I understand why. If you're, I mean, like, not to go too dark here, but like, if you're trying to groom a young man to follow you across space, you're not going to be like, oh yeah, I also burned your dad up. Like, you know, I <laughs> why do you even have to bring it up though? Like, just well, I mean, leave it. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually think that's a very human moment uh, from Obi Wan, where like, here's there's this friend that he loves and remembers well, and he wants to. He wants he wants to to relate that to somebody because when was the last time he was able to talk about Anakin in a positive light, right? Yeah. I, I kind of well, I kind of your 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 dad wanted you to have this before I maimed him and then he dragged me through fire. Yeah, your dad <laughs> who thinks you're dead. <laughs> As he was screaming, I hate you. By the way, give me my son. Yeah, that <laughs> I don't know about. Yeah, yeah. I I mean. I I think, and this is going to be a very very controversial take. I do think a lot of the Vader stuff is very problematic, um, for ways that we've talked about um, before, where he is an erratic, random character with seemingly no motivation, is the worst leader ever of anything, um, and. In general, I just don't understand what the hell the Inquisitors are, but yeah, that's just that. So let me slightly push back against that. I don't really disagree with what you're saying, but I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the Inquisitors are there to hunt down the rest of the Jedi, and it seems like they are Jedi. I, I think that when you when you hear a little bit of Third Sister, and we'll talk about her in detail in a few minutes... When you hear her talk about sort of her childhood and how she was taken and all of this, I think that essentially the Inquisitors are the Jedi of the Sith, which is to – and this is getting pedantic. I'm, I'm warning you. Like <laughs> with the Sith, there's only two, right? But these people are like the Jedi younglings slash uh, Padawans of the Sith that will be will be snuffed out eventually, that they, they their only goal is to be they have a very limited use and then i think they will be just you know mm-hmm. essentially uh palpatine will order 66 of them in his own way that is yeah i mean the, the th- they're they're disillusioned jedi but it's a i don't it's a hard jump to think i mean we can assume that third sister was maybe a Padawan or at least a youngling mm-hmm. at order 66. Um, Grand Inquisitor was a temple guardian and was disillusioned by the way they treated Ahsoka and began to question. But moving from that to straight up Jedi genocide seems a weird, I don't know. It just feels, I don't disagree with that. I, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, sometimes I try to think about it in terms of, you know, real world situations. And I mean, uh, it, you know, what motivates a real world person I, to be involved in a group that commits genocide? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if anyone ever has any real, you know, w- what a compelling reason is. How do you how do you get involved with that? How do you join, you know, a totalitarian group? What is it that pushes you to do that? And I don't know if there's ever a rational explanation I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I, know. But... 
Sorry, go ahead. No, that's right. No, I was going to say, I think that that's, that's absolutely true. And I would also say that in terms of Matt's argument about Vader being a terrible leader, I actually think that's kind of baked into the original trilogy. Like, if you if you think about the first time we really see Vader interact with any others from the Empire, it's the scene, it's on the Death Star with Grand Moff Tarkin and a table full of Imperials. And then one guy is like, "You," he says something like, your foolish attachment to that ancient religion. Like, he's basically mm-hmm. saying, like, you fucking wizard, you, you know, <laughs> get your crystals out of here. And... Um, you know, and Vader, you know, deals with him, but I think that's kind of how everybody sees him as like this this kind of crazy person. And I think that the Emperor, I don't, I don't think anybody but Vader understands the Emperor is a Sith. I've never said that out loud before. Do you guys agree with that? Do you think that anyone in the Empire knows that he's a Sith? Huh. Based on the original trilogy, I think. My answer is no. I, yeah, I wonder if big characters with their own agendas, I don't know how much Tarkin knows. I don't know how much Thrawn knows, but they also more than Vader see their role in the empire as separate and apart from the emperor in a way that the general empire doesn't. Sure. Sure. And I also think that for all those people, they basically don't care about the emperor. He is simply a (laughs) tool for which they can achieve power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So, so from, from that point, I feel like, I'm sorry, Liz, I just feel like Vader is this like outlier within the empire where people just look at him as this, 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 this like crazy old, you know, monk slash wizard slash murderer who no one really trusts, but also people don't quite know how to handle. Mm-hmm. And maybe his, you know, just snapping of people's necks has, has, you know, um, contributed to his, his sort of CV of, of terror. But I don't think anybody looks at him as a leader. That's that, I guess that's where I have the question. Do you think Vader is actually a leader of anything? Well, I was just going to mention that it, it, it seems like Vader is just sort of surrounded by his own mythology, just in real life. Like even perhaps how you know we view him. Like if someone is like think of an ultimate villain, you might say Darth Vader. And it's almost the same thing within the world of Star Wars, based on you know the things both of you have been saying. Because no, it doesn't seem like he has the qualities of a good leader at all. I mean, I would say he just leads with fear, mm-hmm. which maybe is effective in some instances. But yeah. I, I don't know, because I guess I, from what we've seen, people do want to impress him. I, the third sister wants to impress him here. Um, but she is she, she being an inquisitor kind of has like a built-in connection to Vader, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah cuz I think the inquisitor's yeah. answer to Vader. Yeah, so is it my the hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah, but like if we're talking about responsibilities of a leader, qualities of a leader, it doesn't seem like he mm-hmm. possesses them. Yeah, I don't Yeah, the uh, the thing that makes it murky too is um what what Vader's relationship eventually like he's clearly a subordinate to Tarkin um but when Krennic goes and like cries to him about the Death Star project again I don't really know what his role in any of that is um but I mean I think I'm thinking too hard about that hierarchy of the Empire when it really (laughs) is the you know secret police of a space wizard right yeah <laughs> well even i mean in the original series you know he I, he functions more as a, i'm going to say like a robot and i feel here in this series in obi-wan he seems more like anakin skywalker he's yes. much more impulsive you can that's something tell. that yeah there's a something difference. Oh, sorry let, let, so sorry. no go ahead i'm done <laughs> I was, no, I was going to say, this is a very different Vader than the Vader we see in the next iteration, which is Rebels, where this is a very seemingly independent Vader. Um, and I wonder if that independent comes to bite him, because we see him in Rebels 
very much like he is in A New Hope, where he is an attack dog on a very short leash. So I wonder if we're going to see that or maybe who knows, maybe not. Probably. No, I mean, I think that that actually is is a really good observation that he does seem very much like you can see the line between episode three Anakin and this Darth Vader far more than you could between episode three Anakin and the Darth Vader of A New Hope or even of... I would say that actually the most Anakin we've seen Vader be live action is the very brief scene of him going crazy in uh, Rogue One. Like when he is just indiscriminately killing all those guys to get the Mm -hmm. Death Star plans. That is the most unhinged Vader we had seen so far. And that that speaks to Anakin's personality more than, than the sort of quiet, brooding Vader we've seen elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I am I am really interested to see how this attempts to connect some some Vader pieces. Now, uh, there's a rumor that this has already been picked up for a second season, which I never thought was going to even be a thing. This, this, this seemed like a very finite story to me. Um, and so I'm sort of intrigued by the idea of what a second season would even look like here. Um, mm-hmm. But the one thing I would say is I feel like in a really interesting way, the series has given us a different Vader and a different Obi-Wan than I thought it would. And I would like to see a little bit more in terms of how we get from the versions here to the versions we see in A New Hope. So a second Mm -hmm. season would do that a bit. But I also feel like not every Star Wars TV show needs to be in a long-running series. I like the idea of them doing these little mini-series where maybe you can entice a Ewan McGregor back to do one. But he probably doesn't Mm -hmm. want to do five seasons of this, right? I I would imagine he doesn't. So Mm -hmm. I don't want them to push their luck with this stuff either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the character we haven't dug into enough yet is Third Sister, who is the main Inquisitor that we see here. Uh, Her name is Reva, apparently a Reva, Mm R-E-V-A. Although I don't believe anyone's called her that, have they? No. I think that's pretty much just a, like, in the casting notes, you see that her name is Reva. Um, Yeah, because I think, I believe all the ones that we see have... The name of the Grand Inquisitor escapes me, um, but the only uh, I think the only unnamed Inquisitors are the ones from the video games, because mm-hmm. this this is unfortunately the Vader and Inquisitorial crew is a huge part of the Jedi hunting video games, um, so that's where a lot of that lore comes from, um, which I have not played, but um, but yeah. So I I think they all most have names, but I, no, that's always been third sister, mm-hmm. which is pretty high up there, um, number wise. So well, so I, what's interesting is like so there's we see the Grand Inquisitor supposedly killed by the third sister, right? Um, in the second episode, I think it was. Um, yeah, and the other Inquisitor is the fifth brother that we've mm-hmm. seen. So I don't know what these what these numbers really mean is my point. I, I yeah, and I think fifth brother is one of the ones from Rebels, right? Or is that a different brother? Possibly. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I I mean, I I did not pay mm-hmm. as much attention to the inquisitors as perhaps I should have in my Rebels viewing. Mm-hmm. Uh but also the naming the naming devices do not make it easy to tell people apart. No. No. No, it does not. And can I, okay, I will say just this one piece about the Grand Inquisitor. I am not someone who thinks that inherently you need to have the people who voice a character play that character in live action. I mean, I would love to have seen it for Sabine, um, just because I love um, her. Um, But if they were able to nail... um, Draco's dad 
to be the live action Inquisitor, that would have been fantastic because that character model is clearly based off of him. So yes, so I, I had read about this. Apparently, um, Rupert. So the actor is named Rupert Friend, who plays him in the series, and uh, he was told by Dave Filoni, "Do not do an impression of Jason Isaacs, who who did the voice in the original series." Gotcha. Because um, he, there's a lot of concern too. Because he said he had never seen the Grand Inquisitor, any of that. Right. So he right. was going fresh, which seems to be an odd choice when you have a, you know. I mean, I, I can understand it in one sense of maybe you don't want to just fall into like um, impression territory. Mm. You know, you want to be able to bring something to the character that maybe. You know, is your you'll be able to read the script and do your own interpretation of the character. What makes mm -hmm. that hard is that everything else in Star Wars is so meticulously slavish <laughs> to, uh, to a to a former iteration or or a, a line thrown away in a book here or there. So it's hard yeah. to make that decision. It's hard to make that decision for one character. Though I do understand from an acting perspective why mm -hmm. it's probably better for an actor to bring his his or her or their own approach to this than just trying to imitate somebody else um realize jason isaacs was a uh, star wars and star trek uh yes mm -hmm. yes one, one, one of the rare twofers yeah but so let's talk about third sister a little bit more you know uh we should also just mention i don't think anyone who listens to this show would think otherwise but um Fuck anybody who's sending Moses Ingram racist comments about her portrayal or just sending her hate yeah. mail in general. Like, fuck those people. If you listen to our show and you're one of those people, fucking never listen again. I mean, Sorry. it. part of it to me was like, really, this is where we're at. And the other part to me was like, you know what? Maybe being – and again, we have a podcast about this franchise, but maybe a franchise where – a lot of people really like space Nazis <laughs> says more about some of those people than I'd want to believe. So yeah, yeah it's a good call. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, just, just reiterating. Fuck you. Never listen to our show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She, I hate she's that I have great. To say that. Queens <laughs> Gambit's great. And thankfully she's star Wars somewhat stuck up for someone finally. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you, uh, there are some people in my life who uh, think it's terrible that Star Wars spoke out for her. Really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, not, some not cool shit went down on Facebook about this. Uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Just another proof that Facebook is the, one of the worst things you can do with yourself. And I cannot <laughs> wait until I, in the middle of August when I have no reason to use it anymore and I can delete it forever. Ah, so, there you go. Um, yeah, but anyway, so uh, I uh, I do think the character is really interesting. I think that mm -hmm. she's being played with a lot of intensity and bringing a very different look to the type of character. Like I feel like in in Star Wars, we we don't get a lot of characters that are as I don't know, maybe motivated is the wrong word, but she just seems like she is. This is the only thing that she cares about right now. She is mm -hmm. singularly minded on finding Kenobi. And I don't think that's necessarily just because she has orders from Vader. I think that there is more to this. And I that's the part I'm really interested in. What is it about her life that happened? How is Kenobi responsible mm -hmm. in, so that she would have such a visceral reaction? to being in his presence to to tracking him down like what is what is what is going on there and i think that's the interesting part for me yeah the, i i'm i'm interested to see where they go with that backstory now realizing there's only two episodes left i mean they got to get to it now or never right yeah <laughs> that's right yeah, I like that there's a mystery, obviously, surrounding her character that we have to find out about. I also really liked the scene between her and Leia when she is interrogating Leia. Um, seems to uh, manage, Leia manages to um, get the best of her. 
um, despite her skills. I enjoyed that. Though I, I think the tracker is in a was it Lola? The it's little Lola, uh, yeah, that breaks my heart. I know. Uh, Turn against us. Yeah, the little droid there, uh, which is disheartening. But um, I liked that scene a lot as well with the two of them. I, I think it shows a little bit of just how unhinged the third sister is, where she thinks that this 10-year-old could possibly have a lot. I mean, I, obviously, she was with Kenobi, and so she has some information. But, like, how much do you think this 10-year-old is really internalized about the stuff that she saw on those cave walls, on, on those, like, hideout walls? And I just, mm-hmm. I, I think that she is grasping at straws here because she is... Because she is so just singularly focused on on figuring out what it is, how, how she can get to Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she has no qualms about interrogating and possibly torturing a, what, 10-year-old child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because of, you know, her motivation, whatever it may be. Yeah, it's 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 a really good performance. And I think it's a, um, I think it's given the series an actual villain as opposed to Vader is sort of this like, this overarching villain for everything from a certain period of Star Wars, right? Like Vader is just, Vader sits on the outside of all these stories as a potential you know that that that's what made his appearance in Rebels and in Rogue One mm-hmm. so interesting. It's like you know that there's there's this sort of Damocles of of Vader that at any point can fall on our heroes. But I like that this series has somebody who is who is more in the trenches than that. Partially mm-hmm. because we also know what's going to happen to Vader, and we know that he's he's going to survive all of this. And I like I like being a character that we literally don't know what happens to her. She could be mm-hmm. turned into a rebel for all we know. We have no clue what her character arc is. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that she's so desperate to impress Vader. You know, someone above her, she just wants to impress this person so badly. And, you know, is, is that part of her motivation as well? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm. I'm do you think that she is going to be a character we have seen before as a child and don't know it yet? Or is oh, this somebody new, new? From the opening scene? Oh, yeah. Oh, that would be interesting because we thought that was going to be just getting us to the, the character played by Benny Safdie, who we see in the first episode, who was eventually killed on Tatooine. But what if she's part mm-hmm. of that too? I mean, she could also be a character just from Revenge of the Sith. From mm-hmm. one of those scenes, um, I, I I keep trying to think what, like, is there a story from Obi Wan's past that we've seen that would play into her anger and rage at him? Like, is there, you know, was he present for any sort of disaster on a planet that she could be from that she would then just hold this, you know, just unbreakable grudge that she'll carry throughout her life? Yeah, you're you're more unless she's Mandalorian. Clones. I mean, I yeah. guess she could be Mandalorian. Yeah, that that would be interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I, I yeah, I don't know what to expect from that character, and that's what's exciting about that character. What I think here here's my wild speculation because I think part of that realization when um, Obi Wan was walking through that hallway where they had all of the um i don't for back like preserved jedi yes um that we see in rebels um again a deep connection to rebels um but obi-wan i think realizing that his cuz at the end of revenge of the sith one of the little baby pieces of that everything is that he goes back to the temple and changes the message to have the Jedi hide, to run away, don't come to the temple, hide. And I wonder if her following his orders led her into the hands of the Empire in the same way that probably a lot of those people in that hallway ended up 
in the hands of the Empire trying to follow Obi-Wan's instructions. That's actually really good. Yeah. Mm. See, this is this is this is why I couldn't do the show without you, Matt, because you have yeah. you have a memory for this stuff that I do not. Right. Yeah, because I believe though that's the same. I forget her name, but they. Uh, I don't, I'm not gonna say anything because Liz hasn't seen. I don't think has seen that part of Rebels yet. I've only seen two or three episodes. Okay, but yeah, those Jedi come back in Rebels. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I, I thought that I thought that this fourth episode was maybe maybe the weakest of the four, only because I feel like this episode had a lot more of the sort of stuff that I think is is endemic of lazy TV writing, like when when everyone is is on the um, I forget it, what is what is the name of the fake imperial who's helping her? Is it, it's something with a T. Um, God, oh, my notes. one of uh, the sand snakes from Game of Thrones. Oh, is, is that that's what it is? who she is? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, who is that? Yes. Oh, I forget her character's name. Um, yeah, she's the one who kisses the uh, Targaryen and kills her. Well, she she and uh, Pedro Pascal are you know together in uh, mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. Now they're both in a yeah. Star Wars. Tala. Oh. Her name is Tala. Okay. Um, but like when Tala and Leia and Ben are on the sort of uh, on the bridge going towards their ship, and then all of a sudden, like at that exact time, the cavalry arrives. Like, I just think that's that that's pretty lazy writing when that's when that sort of stuff happens, right? When there's just like, oh look, the good guys got there at the exact right moment. But that's also <laughs> that's movies, that's TV, that's comics. Yeah. That's well, theoretically, third sister was letting them go, so. That's true. Yes, um, but also that doesn't fit together either. No, oh, it no. doesn't. But you know, so I felt like that this episode was maybe a little bit, like I said, a little bit lazier in terms of the sort of the some of the Deus Ex Machina slash you know tropey bits of it. But I thought that it did a couple of things really well. I thought that we mentioned how much we're enjoying Leia, and I think that this begins to show you a really good sense of like how this Alderanian princess became one of the leaders of the rebellion right I, th- I think we now see her uh intestinal fortitude just the, the 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 toughness that she has for all for all of this business and not just uh, that's the one thing i really like about this too is that i feel like we sort of see the beginnings of how leia could not just be a rebel but also kind of be radicalized uh, through all of this and so um that is I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the walk through the the Hall of Jedi, as I'm going to call it, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Just because it did show... I mean, this is this is like Obi-Wan's greatest fear, right? He hopes that lots of people escaped Order 66. Here he has like visible evidence, including Jedi he knew, did not survive Order 66. And I think that that's actually a really good thing uh to to introduce to us Mm -hmm. just just again it shows it it again shows just how deep the pain goes for obi-wan and but seeing him also begin to heal that divide between him and the force Mm -hmm. yes yes um yeah, I thought the scene with him like holding off the water was quite good. Mm-hmm. In that that being something that I mean that wouldn't have been easy when he was at his power, mm-hmm. but it certainly would have been more doable than what we see here, right? This this seems like it's truly outside of his capability until he, you know, until he really buckles down and is able to do it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I do like the healing aspect of Obi Wan here too. Um, overall, I, I I'm enjoying this series. I understand that this is doing some stuff that maybe people don't like. Like we we, we talked about before, like the sort of the introducing elements that are going to have to be retconned in somehow through clever dialogue and all of that. I, I I can understand that part of it. I can also understand maybe if you watched just the first episode and thought it was a little dry. I, I know a few people to me said that 
if they didn't watch the first two episodes together, they probably would have given up after the first episode because that first episode was a lot of like Obi-Wan slicing meat uh, every day and riding that camel looking thing, right? It was, to me, <laughs> that first episode felt a little bit like Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of the pacing and the, you know, the the the, the endless fucking Tatooine of it all, but you know, so to get, uh, so to to get off of that, I think is a really good thing for the show, and I have been really pleased. Uh, going into the last two episodes, how are you folks feeling about the series in general? Are is this what you thought we'd get? Is this better than what you thought we'd get, etc. Much better, much much better. Yeah, I, I I think I agree. I think it is much better than I thought it would be. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I I don't know how long the next two episodes are. I feel like there's a lot to tie up, so I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Um, I, I I am very interested. I obviously I'm interested to see what we learn about the third sister. I think that's one mystery um, I'm intrigued by. And I'm also intrigued to see how things are left between Obi-Wan and Leia. Are, are, will they will see them part? I, what will that be like? Yeah. Will he use Jedi mind trick to wipe her mind and she doesn't remember him? That's something I thought of when I was watching this episode. Me too. Just this idea of like, this horrible experience she has, are they going to, you know, pull that from her mind? But that seems, I don't know. I hate mind wipes in, in stories. I feel like I it's, 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 it's usually a very lazy tactic. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. The, the one thing I keep wanting to say about this, I keep wanting to reference John Favreau and Dave Filoni, but they have nothing to do with this. Now, Deborah Chow directed some episodes of The Mandalorian. That's how she got the gig. But this is really not a Filoni-Favreau joint. And I think in some ways I'm glad that – and I love those guys. I, I, you know, I, I think we all know uh, how much Matt and I specifically love Dave Filoni. But mm-hmm. I think it's really good that Star Wars is giving some other people voices here and not just – having everything stem from the two of those guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so I, I'm glad about that. But so because of that, I don't think this is going to necessarily cross over with as many other things. Like I think that's the, I think the Filoni influence on the Disney Plus shows has been showing how everything is interconnected. And this very much feels like it could be its own its own thing. And so I don't, although I know it makes sense to have some rebels connections in a number of ways. I don't know if we're going to get as much of that as we would, if this was a Filoni uh, Favreau project. Yeah. And I don't think that hurts it at all. We don't need cameos everywhere. We already saw Jedi names um, on the walls that we recognized, including um, Dune, by the way. Or Doom with an M. Why you have one character named Caleb Doom and one named Cara Dune, I don't know. Um, yes. <laughs> but we do know that um, Caleb was brought through the path. We know that uh, Tarzan was brought through the path. Mm-hmm. Um, we know Quinlan Voss is out there doing this. Voss. Yeah. That's, so that's, we, to me, yeah. that is the thing that's going to come out of all of this. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a Quinlan Voss series out of this. Mm. And who who would play Quinlan Voss? A coxman like none other. I don't know. That guy is uh <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, that that's that would be really interesting. But I feel like I feel like this idea of they're they call it the path, right? And I feel like that is something that Star Wars could make an interesting series out of where you could do each episode. Oh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm now four or five episodes into my summer quantum leap binge for multiversity. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about everything through the quantum leap lens more than I do on an average day, which is still quite a fair amount. Um, but <laughs> you know, uh, just this idea of like 
the way some TV shows are just character of the week, episode of the week. Like you could do, you could do a, a different Jedi rescue or different like youngling or whatever rescue every week, or you can make each season. You know, Quinlan Voss tries to get so and so out this this week or whatever it is. You mm-hmm. know, this season rather. So I I don't know exactly how that show would function, but I think it's. I just think Star Wars is going to want to to keep pumping out more shows, and at a certain point, you're going to run out of the familiar characters to base them around. So you mm-hmm. need a concept that you can explain to people without too much trouble, and I feel like. Saving for sensitive youth from the Empire is a one sentence description that everyone understands. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we'll see. I don't know. I, I am excited though to see where this goes. Um uh, let's just wrap up here. Final thoughts on the series. Something we didn't mention you wanted to get to, uh, a favorite moment, a least favorite moment, anything that's on your mind, lay it on me. Um mm. Mm. I, I do like how uh, I feel like every once in a while they try to lean into making it seem like Ewan McGregor is old. Like he how looks better Leia, than me, even though he's clearly yeah. a decade <laughs> and a half like, my old like, senior. Yeah. More like grandpa. And I'm like, it, it, Ewan McGregor's good looking guy. Like he's not he's not a grandpa. I mean, maybe he is in real life, but I, I realize you're yeah. trying real hard. Yeah, he's like six years older than your dad. Chill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's the I, same age as your mom. <laughs> I honestly thought that when he got burned up, that that was going to like age him considerably. <laughs> like that was going to be the way that they age him. It's just to like, you know, somehow the burns have made your hair gray. scarred. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. It was going to palpatine him, but only with gray hair. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I. Yeah. It's. Um. I don't know. I. You know what. Uh, I will I will say this one funny one. If I was a Jedi in hiding, I may not continually wear the uniform of a Jedi everywhere. Yes. yes. Like he has to have another like bathrobe he could wear out <laughs> other than that one. Like that was crazy. Well, in the beginning, he was wearing something different, right? In episode right. one. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm going to get my adventure in robe because it's got pockets in the sleeves i can put my underwater breather in yes like come on (laughs) yeah i did i did prefer him in the beginning with his non-jedi clothing and then i I feel like he does still have costume different jedi robes every episode Mm -hmm. but you're right it would be smart to not wear the uniform of a my wife did my wife did comment on his his, he's like he likes a really flowing uh yes outfit huh it's like yeah yeah he does I feel like they've gotten more flowy as each episode has progressed as well. I uh, I, I wanted to do this in like 2006 and I didn't and I would have been an internet sensation if I did. I wanted to make a Tumblr called Accidental Jedis where it was just women <laughs> in flowy robes like that I see on the street or whatever. Um, because you, you see that look a lot, right? That's Yeah. That, that, that's, that's a good look for, for some people. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I feel like it's especially funny where like, I'm going into the most dangerous situation I've been in in 10 years. I have to remain incognito, but I really feel comfortable in these clothes, guys. And I got to mm-hmm. I just got to keep wearing them. So, yeah. Uh, I can't do anything else. I yeah. I, I did like yeah. it, it did appear that they dressed Leia in the first, second and third episode to match up with Leia's costuming in, in four five episodes six. three yeah. four mm-hmm. and yeah four five and six you got it yeah yeah i really like i really like the um the respect that's given to padme um because again i think she's the most underrated character of the original series um by the uh, way like, I, i'm sorry matt i have to you're gonna be so mad at this but i have to bring it up do it People online are so mad at that scene where Leia asks him if if she if he's if her father and he says, I wish I could say I was. People are like, this proves he wanted to fuck Padme the whole time. And like They don't understand. No, they have no idea how like uh, contextual reading goes and just like yeah. you know, understand that he's saying, like, no, I wish that I was your dad and not a murderous psychopath uh. who caused the death of your mother and also the fall of the Jedi. Like, I don't understand how people are so mad about that. Neither Listen, do I. 
everything written about this is just awful. I can't. Except for the reviews of multiversitycomics.com written by one Brian Salvatore. That is true. That is true. That is true. You you have not called it, you know, a blight upon the world. You have not compared it to polio. Um no. but I and I, I like the they keep sprinkling it in the idea of um like droid like droid rights essentially mm-hmm. um droids as semi-living things um it, again it pops up now and again um and i like it anytime it is my favorite iteration of it was in the short story series about um luke that's written from the perspective of droids. Mm-hmm. Um, but talking about, you know, how those, that loader droid was ready to give his life because he is a thinking thing to protect the Jedi. And they just think he is a beast of burden, but he's so much more. So. Yeah. Well, yep. and Lola's a traitor. <laughs> no, Lola's not a traitor. She's she's been forced into this. I don't know. She had those red eyes. We know what red eyes mean. We do know. We we saw three PO get evil for a minute in the Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> where he which, which yep. he would never come back from, and then he came He's... back from it four seconds later. Yeah, he spoke parcel tongue. Yeah, it's like, oh, you just have to restore him from an earlier backup. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Right. You, you have a time oh. machine on your Mac, and all of a sudden. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I 100% forgot about that storyline. Oh. I'm sorry to bring it back into your life, Liz. And I'm sorry, listener, <laughs> if I brought it back into your life as well. Remember when we almost drowned waiting outside for that movie? <laughs> it was raining. <laughs> it was very raining, yes. Uh, and then the person from the studio forgot to show up and let us in. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. For oh, that movie. For that movie. <laughs> yeah, that I. Th- there should be like a one-act play written about our silent ride from that movie theater to Liz's house to review that movie. <laughs> all the feelings buried deep down. Us all changing our minds about things mid-sentence as we talked about it. Yeah, I mean... If there are any new listeners to this podcast, go back and listen to the three episodes after we saw that movie and listen to my entire world just break apart from a lie I told myself. <laughs> it's a very Star Wars story, though. It really yeah. is. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thank you for listening. We will return in two weeks with our thoughts on the final two episodes of Obi-Wan. And we have fully Woo. plotted out our summer. So we have... a. Uh... We have some fun stuff coming up this summer. And I can't wait for you all to hear it. And remember, until next time, the Force will be with you always. Always.